Hello. This is my show. My only show. I just can't even with myself right now. Let's babble about time. I babble wherever I can, whenever I can, however I can. This is NE Unleashed. Now without further ado, let's just jump right into it. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the show. So I have with me a pretty awesome guest again, and he's been a person I've been trying to hound and kidnap for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, it's, it's the awesomes. It's, you probably know him through his wife, who's also equally awesome, which I don't know if I'll kidnap her at some point in the future, which I probably would as well. But it's the pretty cool Daniel Storm. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so today is going to be a really fun day because I am so excited to, I don't know, we started this conversation where we, where you were sharing some of your stories, and mm-hmm. then, what is it, uh, what's her name, Jamila, I think, yeah. shout out to Jamila if you're listening, but uh, she brought up, like, oh, we need to hear more story time from you, and I'm going, that's exactly what we need, I, ESTPs don't talk much about the actions that they do, probably because you guys just do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if we're sitting around and, and are with a bunch of people and there's no option to go do something, mm-hmm. then you know, sure. We'd more than happy to weave a, a story of something we've done into the, but yeah, by large, I would say uh, I'd much rather go out and do something. Yeah. I mean, if I offered you tequila, probably things would be a lot more fun. Or something. I mean, you know, <laughs> it'd be rude to say no. Right. Yeah. I was, I'm the kind of person, I like to buy people drinks, regardless of if they're the ones buying it, I don't care. I, I like the idea of being like, hey, you, you need to talk, and I'll instantly start, like, passing the cup over, like, just as it. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the like, archetype thing, but that's literally as Dionysus as you go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, here's your microphone, I mean, your drink. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, here you go, let's talk, let's do this, this is gonna yeah, be great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But... Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what's tell me? Tell me about yourself. Like, let's say, let's start with high school mode. Maybe I don't know. I want to hear some high school gigs because my friend the ESTP also had a lot of stories to tell. Okay, um, well, so school for, <laughs> school for me was a little different. I was homeschooled all the way through. Okay, um, and from about and so like grades for me were fuzzy because I was kind of all over the place. If I excelled in one thing, I would just push forward in that and not worry about the grade, like just get through the material. Gotcha. Um, so I was like never all in the same grade with every material as I went. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'd sit down and I would just blast through my history and science because I found them interesting. Um, and then I would augment that with like grabbing an encyclopedia and reading all about whatever specific thing stood out that I was interested in. Um, I know that's not the kind of activity stories you're interested in, but just so you get a, a picture of kind of like my high school started when I was like 12, mm-hmm. I was hitting some high school level materials. It's and- still interesting because I can drawing parallels with my friend as you talk. So it's mm-hmm. actually really fascinating to hear like how you navigate through things. Cause that's exactly how he would navigate through things. Nice. He'll just be like, well, I need to get it done. So I'm just going to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and also when I was like, when I was 12, and part of the reason that, that a lot of this started at that point was my parents had bought a house um, that my dad and I completely gutted, ripped all the drywall insulation, flooring, like everything out of and, and remodeled. Yeah. So I was working on that with him. And anytime I couldn't help him with something, I was doing my school, like sitting there in this like empty house with all the studs showing and everything doing my school. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. And, um, so for like two years from like 12 to 14, that's, that's basically what I did. Um, my dad and I would every day go and work on it. He worked night shift. So he would get up in the morning and we would go and work until like afternoon when he'd have to, you know, get ready to go to work and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was a little, little unusual. Um, but I learned a ton of stuff that I still use to this day as far as like mm-hmm. carpentry and electrical and plumbing and like all these like hands-on things that yeah. I learned through this experience. So I loved that aspect of it. I love to work with my hands and 
see something big being created by what I was doing. Um, so that was, that was like really cool and really satisfied that kind of SE urge to be hands-on and active and physical and challenging myself. I mean, I was 13 years old carrying a four by eight sheet of drywall by myself, you know, like it just, so yeah, I mean, it was just a constant push and challenge because my dad's you know he's like six three and probably like 230 at that time you know i mean he's a big dude so i'm i'm you know a 12 year old that was i don't know i probably barely weighed 100 pounds trying to keep up with what he was doing you know so, yeah like it was nuts it was nuts so i mean that that kind of comprised two years of my life right there of just working on the house roofing um and i mean everything you can think of um when I was 14, um, I have some friends in South Dakota that owned a ranch. And um, so I got to go up there and actually work on their ranch with them. And that was like, I don't know, that was in, in that whole Twitter feed. The thing yeah. that seemed to captivate most people is that I, I was a coward. ranch story. <laughs> um, and yes, I had an amazing time up there. I loved everything about it because, um, I mean – it was basically, it was like no rules, just get the job done kind of thing, which is like perfect for an ESTP, right? Like, yeah. like just let me do my thing and I'll get it done. Type yeah, of thing. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'd wake up in the morning and like, so I, I stayed at their house instead of down at the ranch house. And, um, and like the, my friend's mom was like, made these like amazing huge breakfasts like every morning there's like eggs and bacon and oatmeal and toast, like, like everything, the whole spread. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a 14 year old growing boy doing physical work all day long. I That's, ate, I ate six times a day. Yeah. And they would just, be heaven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I mean, they just kept, they're like, okay, you've had your breakfast. Here's your snack for in like two hours. And then two hours after that, we'll meet up for lunch. And then two hours after that, here's your other snack. And then two hours later, here, you know, like it was just like a constant. Oh, that sounds amazing. It was amazing. And I mean, they had, because they were on a ranch as a cattle ranch, I mean, they had their own like homemade beef jerky and like all this. Oh, it was incredible. Gosh. It was so amazing. Anyway. This is making me hungry. <laughs> I was like, now I need to go cook because it's like, this is great. What the heck? <laughs> Um, cattle. I was about to ask. I'm like, what kind of ranch was it? It's like definitely okay. Cattle ranch. Cattle ranch, eleven thousand acres. It was on the um, right along the Missouri River in the very north central section of South Dakota. So, in case anybody wants to look it up, it's Mobridge, South Dakota. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, it was it was an amazing time. Um, some things I did there. So, uh, we would move cattle from field to field or pasture to pasture so that, you know, they could graze and mm -hmm. replenish the grass in the previous pasture and all this stuff. So a lot of what we did was keeping the cattle moving every couple of days, pushing them into all these different pastures. And um, believe it or not, even though they had four wheelers, one of the most efficient ways to do it is on horseback just because they can turn faster. Um, the horses have a sense of the cattle and are not afraid of them. Um, and, and so somewhat, sometimes in certain situations, horses just take the lead and push and stuff too, you know? So it's, it's, it's a definitely a symbiotic thing between the rider and the horse to get this task done. Um, oh my gosh, that's awesome. yeah. I'm now imagining you on horseback and it's just like, okay, yeah. All right. Is it with the hat too? Or what's the whole yeah, gig? Yeah, that? yeah. Cause you're out there. There's no trees. There's no shade. There's, I mean, you're just out in like bright sun and wind so you need something to protect your head and face especially because otherwise you just you can't see anything over time you just get sun blind but uh yeah so um you know and i mean we all we all carried a uh, handgun with us because they have rattlesnakes and coyotes and stuff mm -hmm. and those are dangerous cattle so you want to eliminate those anytime you come across them yeah it makes sense makes um, sense mm -hmm. you know so we're doing that um we uh, we would rope and uh, put ear tags on the new calves that were born. So during that season, when a lot of the calves are being born, we're doing that at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but one of the things we would do is once we pushed the cattle into a new pasture is you have to sit there and wait because some of the, the cows and the calves would get separated and the cows think their calves are still back in the previous pasture. So they will literally push through a fence if you don't sit there and keep them from 
doing that oh. until they can reunite with their calf, right? And mm -hmm. nobody likes repairing fence. It's a boring, thankless job. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's better to just sit there for a couple hours until they all find each other again and move on their way. <laughs> That's such an interesting thing to just imagine. Just some cows just going back and forth going like, where's my kid? Yeah. Like, it's, like ah. It's so loud. <laughs> oh, my God. You've got this herd of, like, 500 cows, and they're all, like, trying to find their All cat. complaining, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. So uh, me and the other guy, he was uh, – I was 14, he was 18, and we were their two main ranch hands. Uh, we would sit there and we would do uh, horse riding tricks while we're waiting just back and forth along the fence line. So we would do things like um, try to do handstands while our horse is walking, um, do like mid riding swaps on horses while we're like galloping alongside each other, just different, just different stuff. Like doing like uh, the Indian style pickup where one person rides along, you grab the arm and swing up behind them. Just that sounds fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, but hey. It was fun. I mean, and it's like we have to be here anyway, so we just made the best of it. Um, you know, and, and had fun with it. Um, so yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff we did. Um there was one particular instance um when I was on a four wheeler there. I was trying to go there's a couple of cows that cut through that broke through a fence and were getting out into another pasture. Mm. And um there's um any they call it the the tractor pasture because they have it's a small small area but um it's where they would park all their extra equipment and tractors and things um when they weren't using them gotcha well and i knew if i cut through there there was a place that should have been open in the fence um that i could cut through on the four-wheeler and get in front of the cows and push them back so instead okay. of coming around behind them i could i could just head them off mm -hmm. what i didn't know is they had fixed the hole in the fence and it's barbed wire, so you can't really see it when you're on a oh. four-wheeler going, you know, 45, 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Do everything. Um, so I'm coming straight at this fence where the gap used to be. Yeah. And um, I see it at the last minute, and I, like, lock up the brakes and turn it sideways. And I'm like, I'm not going to stop in time. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'm going too fast to stop in time. So I put it back straight to the fence, and right before impact, I jumped. It was all instinct. I didn't think this through or anything. I just jumped. Mm -hmm. So I jump. My momentum carries me over the, the fence, and I tuck and roll. I just dove over yeah. the fence. Stand up. No scratches. None whatsoever. Perfectly fine. And the fence stopped the four-wheeler. Oh, wow. And, and um, my, my friend that, that was up there working saw the whole thing, and they're like, I wish I had that on camera. That was like, that was like a scene from a movie. Just right? like, like, boom, jump, like, boom. Just, <laughs> yeah. I was just like... I'm just acting off of like instinct. I don't know. I didn't definitely didn't think it through or anything, but yeah. So it was just like launch myself. We'll, we'll deal with the consequences later. And there ended up not being any. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That is. Yeah. <laughs> it makes yeah. me think that like a lot of the movies nowadays are just people attempting to capture what SE people do naturally. <laughs> like it's just, if, if this were a film, it would be all these, only these high points. Because it'll just be trying to keep in, trying to track the per people. Be like, is that does that actually happen? I'm like, have you met you know e EPs <laughs> like ESPs like at all? <laughs> yeah. No, it's and it's you know I mean, thinking back at it, I'm like, if I tried to do that, I would probably not time it right. You know, like I would try to bail probably too early, or you know, like it just the timing just happened to work out because I didn't have any other choice. Yeah. So that's so fascinating though. But, yeah. I, I'm trying to think if I've had situations where that would be similar for me, that there's situations where you had to act and do something or else, you know, things would have went down the other way. I, I guess, I don't know, maybe because mine is as an any dom, it's conceptual. Like I've done situations where I've pulled on conceptual strings on others because I had a feeling that if I didn't do that, I would have gotten the outcome that I wouldn't want which would, would have affected everybody if I didn't do it right. So like it would be situa like social situations where there would be people um, all interacting with each other. And if I didn't 
and I hate to say that, but if I didn't manipulate somehow by nudging something or being, and it's, it sounds weird because it's like, do people actually do this? I'm like, well, I do it. And it's just like, I'll go to another panel and be like, I'll quickly whisper and I'll be like, so by the way, this person's a doctor. Like that just kind of right. like, just casually mention it and then leave. And then like when, and then cause I had a feeling there was going to be a crisis moment. And then the, then it does happen and they're like you you're the doctor and it's like oh how did you know and like some person whispered it to me <laughs> and i'd just be like in the corner going like phew okay the matrix has been saved right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know like i just i that's the only time i can think of crisis things that i would on instinct do but sure. i can't do that body thing my mind kind of goes shuts down if i don't or if i try i was telling joyce um where if i try to deal with se my world becomes blind all sure. of a sudden and it, it's kind of hard to operate and it's really weird and i don't know how that works um it's almost as if like my eyes are closed and i'm just trying to feel out in the darkness whereas i if i step back is when i you know when i don't engage with the object enough is when the ne starts to come in and i feel safe in that mm-hmm. sense you know safe if, is a relative term i guess but it, it's insane because it's like i would talk with my friend about his se and I would just say things like, you seem very in control of the moment in a way that you are very in control of what might happen to yourself and the decisions that you will do or not do when the moment happens. Like he likes to drive a little recklessly. It's, it's a thing. He, he likes to test it. And his wife, bless her heart, is an ESFJ. <laughs> so she's always like, no. <laughs> but it's funny though, because in a way when he describes it and he's telling me his side, I would look at him and go, but you know when to break and shift the gears and everything. He goes, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, I, I knew. Because I'm like, that's why I'm never afraid when I'm hanging out with you. Because in a way, why would I be afraid? Obviously, you know, you'd be more worried about, let's say, if I were the one driving recklessly. Because you know that my mind's not actually on the road. It's not actually there. Um, but for yours, it's, it is. So when things do go down, like there's situations where we had narrow narrow moments where it's accident, but it's never his fault it's always been somebody else so it, it's kind of cool because out of all the people of course i'd look at that guy to be able to do the whole quick moves emotion out of it he, and you ask him like you said it was just on instinct it wasn't that you planned it or anything right, right? it happened and now he went whoop and it's done and i'm going like man I'd love to get in a car accident with you. <laughs> like, it's that motion. I'm like, I can get down with a crisis with this person. I would love how this would turn out. Yeah. And of course, it would make SJs uncomfortable with that kind of statement. I'm like, it's great though. Think of all the opportunities. It would be fantastic. Um, yeah, like it's like, for example, going camping or something. Mm-hmm. Going camping, going out in the outdoors. I... Like, I could take care of myself in a way, like, in, in a certain, like, because I like to overdo on preparedness as an SP dom. So right. I was carrying all my, like, all my <laughs> waterproof matches that I bought at a survival gear shop or whatever, just because it's fun. But at the same time, you know, it would be greatly eased, my own seven fears, let's say, if I was with somebody who is more familiar with the situation. Because, I mean, as much as I can act on my own, it's... I'm faking it as much as I can, whereas it's natural for them. So I'm kind of like intrigued to observe them in that sense. Because in a way, in situations like that, like because I remember an ENTP was asking me, like, how do you concentrate on pain or something? Because to me, I just zone out. Like I've had situations where um, it can, like I can get nicks and stuff on my body all over the place, but then I'll just zone out right away go into any land and not feel the pain and i could keep working and keep doing something because i'm simultaneously having a parallel imagination at the exact same time so it's kind of weird that that, that's my comfort zone in a way so it's funny to watch an se person or amusing and entertaining and learning experience even to see a person be like no no just get it done (laughs) and i'm like Dang. <laughs> Dang. That's and horseback riding stunts, like tricks and stuff on your on your like, free time. Man, that's actually quite a fun place. I mean, I would no cell phones too, right? At the oh, time. Oh yeah. I mean, okay, you have to realize and this is gonna date me a little bit, but when I was that's 14, fine. Like <laughs> uh that would have been in ninety six. Oh that's fine. I didn't have a phone till two thousand um eight. 
So, and everybody else was having phones and I haven't even had it yet. So in a way, like I totally get it. Like, yeah. Just, just no, I mean, fun without the phone. They, just weren't, they weren't even really that prevalent back then, you know, like it just, they, they were just one of those like fancy toys that some people <laughs> before them had, you know, yeah. like it really was. Um, so yeah, no, it was totally, they were just not even widely available. I mean, my parents would talk about the time where, since nobody really needed it, it, it's more of a bonus of life or technology advancement than rather than a necessity. Is how they kind of went mentally around it. Because my dad would, because my dad is a, used to be a rice farmer back in the fields, so he used to, similar to you in a way, but he's an ISTJ. He would take breaks from school because he used to go to private school, but he would take, let's say, he'll go two years in school, take a year off to go back to work to get the money to pay for school for the next year kind of gig so having worked in the place he would have his he'd have a a water buffalo carrying all of the stuff to get all that all the rice ready and he had to carry all these rice stuff to sell Mm -hmm. um because that's their life and everything and everything had to be done manually you got your water from a well it's full-on countryside and it was fascinating to go back home and to observe it because i've never had that experience ever so sure. when they would tell me about these things, they're like, appreciate the the hard life that you see around you because you've never experienced it. And I'm like, that's actually really true and really humbling because in a way I got to really see where he's at or where it shaped him to be the way that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool because it's like, there is value in like in hard work, I guess, in my opinion, like there, since observing it, um, he's been the type of person he likes. He, I mean, he's an SI dumb. He likes to hoard tools. I don't know if you do the same. Do you hoard tools? Like, is there like a, or is I, it just a tool shed that's with all I, the useful ones? I don't like. I don't like to hoard it. If I have, I have like, I have a tendency of probably overbuying in quality. Okay. Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do one job, but I have to have the best possible tool for doing that job, even though it's like, I don't know, like professional level tool and i'm mm-hmm. i'm only gonna use it like maybe two or three times in my life and i could easily get by with something cheaper but i'm like but it's not gonna work as well it's not gonna be as accurate so i yeah. have this of being like overbuying from what i actually need well, not in quantity but in quality gotcha do you do you also rent if you need to instead if you know you're gonna only I, use it for one time I, yeah i have um I don't like using rental tools because a lot of times they've been abused and right. or you know, so that's another point. Yeah. It's, it's my like that's my major care. For tools. Yeah. Things being like exact and precise um, that, that comes out in that side of me. Gotcha. It's so funny because, um, because I know with my, <laughs> again, my parents argue each other. They try to compete in who's to accuse is the most hoarder type. Because they're both, they're like you're both, you're both hoarding. Like I know I am myself, but it's not as bad as you guys. Like they, my dad has all these tools. He, he never has time anymore to, to like mm-hmm. operate on these. So they're just hanging out at home, and he wants to get a, like a shack maybe, and then to like store them on. And I've been playing with the idea of, hey, we should probably have a rental space, like a storage space. Like isn't it cheap to just have all your stuff there? You just pay monthly. It's probably not that expensive right? Like just get it out of your paycheck every now and then and see how it goes. Um, Cause there's a lot <laughs> like he has, he's a welder. He has his, um, I don't know if it's the word, Tiguan, Tig, his, um, <laughs> it's the thing that's a compressed, the compressor pipe. That's the cylinder that it's used to get the whole, to have the fire out, to heat up the metal when you want to weld something. So he has it right here and it's in the house. And it's funny because we don't, use it it's just there um but he he likes having that i mean granted if i if they go away let's say they go take vacation things do go down i do have all the tools in the house to make it happen yeah i mean zombie apocalypse comes you can just weld your windows closed with some scrap exactly and like it i mean he already had he barred the windows like that's the kind of guy so he's already barred it (laughs) they're all sp doms in the house so he'll just be getting it done um but it's funny to me because it's like they we have all the, it's, it's great because in a way I actually thought that at first when I didn't know type that he was an ISTP because you know, the whole stereotype of the craftsman and everything. But then I realized that there was a lot of coping mechanisms and a lot of actions and well, mind stuff that ISTPs don't really go through that he does. And I'm going, wait a minute, hold up. I was like, you, 
are really weird about FE. I'm like, you're not an ISTP. Like, it's not how an ISTP is weird. With, like, they, I feel like they crave it to some extent because of the bad FE, but with my dad, it's almost full-on rejection. Like, if he hears it, it's like, I don't get it. Like, why are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, with this alien language. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So that happened, but it's actually kind of cool because it's the only way I could ever tap with with sensors, I guess, in folks because um, I've been exposed to that kind of background. Like, I know how to weld. Like, I've volunteered at my dad's um, workshop for couple few weeks i think yeah and in a way i got to deal with all of their like i got the, you know the whole full regalia wearing the full um right. he was all happy because like my son's following my foot that i'm like your son's an enfp it's not gonna happen like, <laughs> like, a temporary thing to satisfy my curiosity so i have yeah more- <laughs> i'm like i want to know what a press drill does like i do want to start putting in holes and see what happens but right. it, because, like, in his case, he goes, like, well, this is what you do. This is how we do it. Make it happen. And I'm very, okay, I'm done. Because <laughs> I'm like, what are we doing next? Are we making a house? Like, what's the deal? Um, mm-hmm. No, the workshop is for making staircases for mansions and railings and stuff. So they're in gates. So they're pretty busy with that. But it's actually kind of cool making the little parts for it. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since I was young, my dad's always been like, well, I do want you to be immersed in this to some extent even if it's not going to be your gig just be a part of it because it's going to come at you at some point in the future regardless whether or not like what if you're at home you live alone and you don't know basic plumbing right you know like you, you can't just open up your toilet in the back and then you know you just start getting wet and everything and i'm like that's right because i don't want to make a dumb move and then call my dad and be like hey can you help fix my toilet it's right just, I mean, we, we, I could do that. It's just like, I mean, there's no shame in asking for help. But at the same time, he's like, why can't I just equip you with the skills so you don't have to worry about it? I'm like, okay. So it's well, kind of it's cool. I think that's, that's definitely, that's, that's cool to hear. And I think that's something that all parents who actually care about their kids are willing to say, like, hey, you don't have to do this. This doesn't have to be your full-time thing. But I have this knowledge. I have this, these skills let me help you understand them and know how to use them for yourself. Let me pass them on yeah. um, and not leave you lacking in that area. Yeah. Cause in a way I feel, I mean, I've noticed this, observe this with other parents. Um, they, t- they like to take up the role of the provider, but they forget that they are also the teacher. So they just want to be the source of all the help, but then they forget that, you know, your kids aren't kids forever in that sense. They right. will get, right? They'll eventually get to that point where it becomes difficult to satisfy, especially if your kid's 30, let's say, and he doesn't know anything. And it's just going to be hard to balance that, especially because, I mean, no one's getting any younger. And that's like a gig, right? You hit 30 and suddenly your back starts come breaking out of it. And you're like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wake up and you didn't like sleep properly. And you're like, I hate this day already or something. My life is ruined. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like Monday. Right? My friend got his back thrown out um a couple weeks ago and he was off work for so long. He was telling me how he had it's almost as if he had to tap into his Edna because he had no he was like, I can't move, I hate everything. And and it was kind of fascinating to hear what comes out of it when you're forced to face, I guess, NI in that sense, or you face you face your introverted function in a sense when you can't operate with your extroverted ones because he's just sitting there he's like i watched so much documentaries <laughs> I'm like i took in so much information <laughs> I was like, I'm like well there you go i mean i do this casually as an ne dog but this is right. this is, has a reason for you like you actually have a point with this right you're getting a goal out of this so this is actually kind of interesting um but yeah like it's just you guys have this fascinating thing of making it work and I've always never understood the science behind it. There isn't one. Okay, That's it, the thing. <laughs> there isn't one. It, so listen, SE DOMs specifically are very much trial and error. Okay? Their entire life. Let me put my hands on it. I'm going to do what makes logically the most sense according to my TI. I'm going to tap into whatever folder is as close to what I'm doing as possible. Yeah. And then if that doesn't work, because I now have the tactile knowledge of seeing the process of this object and what it does, I now have a better idea of what I actually need to do to get it to work. 
and then you just do it. Dang. So it's like I was a uh, something else I did um, mm. is I did two years of a correspondence course for small engine mechanics. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I say small engine and mechanics, and most people think like lawn mowers and weed eaters and things like that, which, yes, but I also worked on things as big as like um, skid loaders and small backhoes and tractors and diesel mechanics to some extent. Well, in a way, that kind of counts as small engine mechanics, too. Well, it does. It does, yeah. absolutely does. Um, so I worked at a rental store that that's what we did is we just maintained their equipment. Yeah. Um, and that's where I gathered, like I, I did this two year course and, um, this was after I worked on my friend's ranch, mm-hmm. um, that when I was still 14, I had applied to this place and I didn't figure they'd hire me. I'm 14 years old, you know, and going and applying for this mechanics position that they had open. Yeah. Ended up hiring me. Um, and it was kind of on this like kind of trial basis. And I was like, that's fine, whatever, you know, it's money. I'm 14. Let's go. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I went and I worked and I ended up working circles around some of the other guys that were down there just because, um, I mean, that's how I was raised is if you have a job, you just do it and you keep working until it's done. Like you don't just kind of, Oh, I'll get to that. I mean, which really goes counter to my perceiverness, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it was how I was raised. So it was, um, just kind of, you being, got that exposure early, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the work. And so I was interested to see what all I could do, um, with it. And I, it ended up being that my supervisor told the owner, you need to hire this kid full time. Like he needs to be here. We need him here because jobs are not getting done and he's just taking care of it. Like he's taking, <laughs> it. like, I'm serious. Like I rebuilt two engines in a day, like stripped them down, pulled all the parts out. Yeah. Cleaned up, sized them out, put all the new parts back in, and had them on a test bench running to break them in by the end of the day. And having fun all throughout the whole process. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was left alone at a workbench with all the tools I could possibly imagine and parts. And all I had to do was call the local Napa store and say, hey, I need this part number. And they'd come deliver it, and it was charged to the store. And I could Oh, then it. you're done. <laughs> you're set for life. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I wouldn't mind being in that kind of gig if that was how it is. I hate having to hunt for parts, that, like tools that I didn't have or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't have something, and that's the thing is I was given purchasing power. I had my own purchasing number, and I would tell them what it was, and they'd put it on the account to check to make sure I'm authorized to make these purchases for the store. That it comes up good, and, and they come and deliver it. You know, like that's all there was to it. Yeah, they ask you, they're like, well, it's, this part needs this. Yeah. Like, did yeah, you want I, me to try something else, but it's not going to be as good? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, they had, they had, um, all right, so imagine, um, like, a kind of a warehouse-style um, building that has three industrial-sized roll-up doors, right? Okay, okay. The, the steel building roll-up doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and inside one of them, about half the depth of the building, which is probably at least 50 feet deep, about half the depth and the full width of the bay was just broken equipment. Oh, wow. Okay. Just <laughs> things broke. If it was old, they couldn't get to it. It was just piled there for a get to later. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever got to it later. Yeah. Um, so I ended up between helping customers, maintaining our regular equipment, having some spare time. So I would just go grab a piece of equipment troubleshoot it and fix it. It's just I put I put at least twenty pieces of equipment back into working order for them. Um, <laughs> some of them some of them are were literally from like the seventies, right? Oh, like wow. they were old. And so <laughs> you always get parts for them. Well the benefit for me is they had a full machine shop and I would just make my parts. I would just be like, oh, this is what it needs. This is, you know, the size of the gear and how many teeth or this yeah. is the, this thing. And I would just make it. They had all the, the welders and, cu- and, and cutters, sandblast, like everything, paint booth, all that stuff. I could just mm-hmm. do it all right there. And it was like, it was like I might as well have been in a toy shop for all the fun I had, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, yeah, so it's like it was just – it was amazing to me. While that's not like – Typically, what you think of for an ESTP, that'd be more like an ISTP's kind of gig, you would think. 
Um, but I loved it. Like it, it was hands on. I was able to be active and engaged in something I was good at. Yeah. And, and it required me to be creative and nobody held me back there. Like nobody was like, Oh, you're too young. You don't know what you're doing or Hey, you need to listen to me or like my, my supervisor was like, you do whatever you need to do. You're making this stuff work. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> That's the best. That's literally yeah. The best. I was like, oh yeah, I'm down. Oh, dang. It sounds like <sighs> that amount. I can only, I think I have had one time where I've had a job like that, where they literally just let me do my own thing. And it was, it was not as the same because it was just a coffee shop moment, but I did all the handling and maintenance if I could mm-hmm. with the espresso machines and everything. Because I don't know, like, no one else would do it. Like, they hired a bunch of ladies, which is fine. Um, sure. But um, much, the ladies, at least, that were hired, they weren't as mechanically inclined or weren't down for it. Like, even mm-hmm. I'm not mechanically inclined, but I would be willing to go underneath the desk covered in, like, right. dust and everything and just work for it. Um, so, yeah, like, my boss was just usually very, like, that's the only time I think the boss was very, like, oh, yeah, let's let him do his thing. They let me take over the whole closing shift because... I could they could just trust me at night with all these people. Like we had crazy yeah. folks come in, and I guess maybe it's just a feeler side of me. I got a, I got along great with crazy <laughs> folks. I don't know what other people did, but they were just they people oh, come in, know. right? They'll be like, and I just be like, what's up? <laughs> like I just right. mirror them, <laughs> play them up. Let's go. And then they're like, so what kind of coffee you want? I'm like, seriously, you're not gonna sleep again for the night? I'm like, is this how we're gonna? Is this our relationship right now? And he like just doing this up. <laughs> yeah like that was that's literally the gig um and then on spare time i would start practicing techniques on the coffee because i mean you weren't allowed to have your phones out so you, you know sure. you weren't got to be distracted somehow and that was like for my my biggest thing is because i my mom drilled this coping strategy on me is that i can't operate anything without music so they had music so the minute they had that out my any was good like it was just done like it was it would latch onto that my whole body can just start operating on autopilot now because i didn't have to worry about everything else like there wasn't a silence to worry about Mm -hmm. so it helped um when i would work in situations where there wasn't music that was where i found the struggle i didn't know how that because again with the whole silence is that's annoying (laughs) and i think that's an extroverted dominant function kind of thing like i'm the same way um you can i mean yes susie anytime i'm doing any kind of house repair or yard work or anything my headphones are on and and then i'm good yep i'm good i can i can just buckle in and and get it done and i'm I'm enjoying it regardless of what it is but yeah no i I have to have music going on have that just kind of side gig have it happen because oh man if i didn't have the music i I have, I have this mentality where it sucks too because if i have to communicate with somebody then i have to like take out one and and i hate it because it's like no i don't want to talk to people <laughs> it's just funny like as an extrovert you're gonna like wait you don't want to talk to people I'm like when you're trying to get something done you don't need somebody tapping your shoulder and be like hey can we interrupt you no don't interrupt me <laughs> no. no way I'm yeah busy. And they would look at me like, because when I, let's say I take over the kitchen, for example, and I'm like baking or cooking something, I, I have this thing where nobody else touch the space. I'm here, you know? <laughs> the music now is in. property of Nate Rasha. Stay exactly. back. <laughs> and like, because the thing is with me is I, I appreciate and also resonate a lot with keeping your hands busy. Like, I don't like just not. Like, even now, for example, like with the whole computer gig and everything. Um, this is fine for me talking like this with sure. somebody, but if I'm sitting here trying to write up something or if I'm sitting here trying to, I don't know, just focus on text messages, I'm going to get annoyed after an hour. I can't sit. I was trying to ask, like, I used to be able to, as a teen, lose my entire life to a computer thing moment, just sitting down, maybe four hours pass by because I'm playing a video game. But now I don't even have time for that. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah. got time for video games. I was like, what the heck? Like people going oh, I was finishing this. I'm like, how do you guys have the time? Like, I have to now prep for tomorrow. I got to prep for tonight. I got to clean this. I got a toilet that needs to be unclogged. Like, it's just, I (laughs) I always think about, like, I have things to do. I don't got to. So nowadays, I've just been replaying things as, excuse me, as I work. Sure. In a way. Because, like, the podcasting, 
and I get to hear other people talk and stuff while I'm working, it's actually now helpful. Like it's now I can now blend the two and I'm going, wait a minute, this is working. <laughs> I can get twice as done in a short amount of time and not feel tired and mm-hmm. then feel enlightened at the end of, let's say, an episode or something. I'm like, there right. we go. I can't do the whole sitting down for two hours typing. I, how do they do it? I don't know how they do it. <laughs> You'd have to ask my wife. She's relentless. Like, I've never seen anybody grow a blog single-handedly literally single-handedly as quickly as she has because part of it is it's a passion for her and she loves figuring out people and so for her it's a matter of just fascination with the topic Mm -hmm. um you know so I, i know that's part of it i I sit down and I start writing and I'm like, am I done yet? Like, is this, is this can I, is there something? That is I'm going to go over, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm just going to go get a drink really, really quick. Right. I'm going to go get a drink. Oh, look, there's, oh, squirrel. Yeah. You know, I have to take a break. I can't, I can't do that. I just, I don't know. I, if I'm stuck writing, like I'm trying to write a book myself. Right. And I took on this, daunting task and i'm like okay let's do it and i'm writing and i'm having fun but like midway in suddenly one word spouts a thousand different ideas and i'm like oh i have to step back i'm like this is not gonna happen (laughs) like nothing is gonna come out unless i open another tab and i start typing that up but then if i do that that's that sends a chain of just right. opening yeah. multiple times of just me typing up notes and it's just not going to happen. So it's I was not- like, you know what? It's either this or I'm hungry. So I'm going to get up and eat. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. And that's a way for me, I found for me, and it's not exactly a healthy thing to do, but if I'm working and I have this long-term project, especially if it's um, like, if I'm doing uh, video editing, right. Yeah. And it's a, oh, long, it's a long, it can be a long task depending on the length of your right yep. content because you have to, you have to make sure everything flows and you've got to do it from start to finish, right? Plus, so you've got the entire time of the actual video length plus any changes and things you do along the way. So it ends up being this huge project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the courses that my wife and I made, she had, um, she did tons of um, slides and then she did audio over the back of it, right? As opposed oh, to yeah. her. Yeah. She hates being in the forefront of things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so my job was taking her audio recording and matching up all the slides to go along with what she was talking about oh, and editing them in and putting in the transitions. And to be honest, that sounds this. fun though. Like it, in a I way, mean, I, it can be it, fun. Yeah. It was. It was other than we had like 30 hours of it to do. That's right. Big. Yeah, that's the thing. It was that's fun big. for an hour for me. I'm like, wait, 30 hours? <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was a lot. It was a big is, and it was the first course we did too. Yeah. So like I'd never gotten into all this. So like for me to stay focused and on point, like I have to have snacks and things like around me. And it's so not healthy to just sit there for hours on end snacking and all this stuff. Like it's terrible for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was one of the only ways I could force myself to sit there and stay focused on what I needed to do. And um, so I'm, I'm currently trying to find a better uh, coping mechanism for some of those long tasks because I don't need to keep gaining weight and and not having time to get out and exercise. You yeah. know, oh gosh, yeah, it's terrible. Um, it's bad. I'm gonna have to like actually start going to bed at a decent time so I can get up early before any of the kids and go for a run or something every morning. Yeah, but. I gained like for the past let's say four years since I like well I graduated in 2012 so like since that time I've actually gained I think 30 pounds of just because my metabolism slowed down Mm -hmm. and I just kept eating because you got a you get a job you get a paycheck and you're like oh my goodness no restrictions it's my money right whatever (laughs) I want and there's a seven gluttony come on I I here for this here for the food yeah oh there's a there's a new spin on pepperoni pizza dude I they added cheese they yeah and aside from the typical chips and the pizza that i had like i was addiction to i also went out to the fancy restaurants and like wanted to try out because i also wanted to try out i wanted to find my ultimate drink for example i wanted to know what that was because i wanted to be 60 years old with my drink that i'm like james bond like shaken not stirred you know like have your preference i don't have have that yet i have that and i have to find my favorite food and vancouver's 
filled with food. So, I mean, of course, not right now since Corona is happening, but since that's not happening, we are running through with all this other stuff. So, and then and then I discovered cooking that like last year. So I'm going shoot. My life is gonna. I need right. to figure. I need to catch up. Like like you said, I need to somehow. My body needs to be able to catch up with all the food I'm eating because I can't have that. Like. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I needs to be functional. My body needs to be a functioning body <laughs> to handle the more yeah. stuff I put on. Well, and I think that's part of the, that's, I think there's like this, this interesting pattern that most people go through. Mm-hmm. And it's that, you know, when you're a kid, your parents regulate you a lot, right? More than you realize sometimes. And not in a bad way, but in helping you have this healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then at some point you're on your own, you gain your freedom, right? You, you gain your freedom. Um, <laughs> but then you're like, Oh, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I can, I can buy 17 different types of soda and keep them in the fridge. Or, um, you know, I can have the M&Ms for dinner if I want to Yeah. tell me, no, I'm going to, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to eat an entire like family size bag of M&Ms while I'm playing video games tonight. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like whatever it is. Um, and then I think at some point you hit, you hit this realization that this, this is not sustainable, <laughs> right? Like I cannot, I cannot keep this up because I'm not going to be happy. I'm not in the long run while in the moment. And this is like a huge revelation for me as an SP, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the moment I might enjoy it, but long term, it's not sustainable it's going to kill me at some mm-hmm. point like all that unhealthy lifestyle is terrible and i value so much being able to um act and take action in a moment's notice regardless of where i'm at yeah that being out of shape or putting on a few too many pounds is like choking the life out of me because i know if something goes down, I can't react like I used to. I don't have the resiliency or the endurance or the strength or the whatever it is that I used to have. Mm-hmm. And while, while SPs are not overly blessed with a grand view of the future or, or the ability to really project into the future well, that is one thing that I constantly look at and say, I've got to be able to perform all the time at mm-hmm. a certain level or else I'm not happy. It's not that anybody's putting that pressure on me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a self inflicted thing, if you will, that I need to be able to continue to do these things to perform physically with, you know, a certain outcome. And if I keep this lifestyle up, I won't be able to. And so it's easy at that point, if I look at it that way to start denying those things and saying, no, I need to cut back on this. I need to cut back on that. I need to do this. That is healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's not maybe the most fun thing in the moment, it's not making the most of the moment, which is like a huge thing for SEs, you know, making the most of the current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does. And I think that just comes with maturity. And as you develop some of your lower functions and your ability to tap into them and to um, value them, you do start to be able to, have a better well-rounded picture of yourself, your capabilities and life mm-hmm. and just how to adapt to it. And it's, it's an important lesson, but it, it's something I've seen almost everybody. I know all of my buddies and friends and stuff that go through this, this kind of curve of, you know, I'm, I'm here. Parents are helping. I get out of control and then I bring myself back in because I have to, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's just, it's just interesting to me to see so many people go through that pattern. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I had to almost educate my parents in a way that when they started noticing the little rebellious phase of the teenager, they weren't prepared because I'm an only kid. So this is the very right. first time they're experiencing anything. And as SI doms, the minute I went in as an NE dom for a son, it's like I'm pushing it. <laughs> and they're going, no, real back. Right. And I had to explain to them, I'm like, you have to understand that I will end up going back. Like, I'm going to come back to my optimal. I just have a moment where it's a dip and it's, it's just a thing. Um, and I was like, and I decided to use other people's examples. Like, have you seen other 
people. It doesn't have to be the same type as them. It's like just other people. They're doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's why is it even recorded or reported on in books over time? It's because it's a pattern that everyone goes through. I mean, of course, at least with them, they would explain to me that they've never been that way with their parents. I mean, which granted, I understand why. But I was saying like, yes, but I'm not you guys. And not, the world is not the same as you guys either. So there's going to be ups and downs with everybody. But notice how they come back equipped, learning from all the mistakes they made, right? Like at the end of the day, they come back and they make it happen. And it, it's funny because nowadays, I'm actually, I find myself like talking to people who are struggling with their parenting I don't know why it's in real life. I have people that I know in real life who are struggling parenting. And then I would explain to them, I'm like, are you sure your kids really messed up? Like, what if all you had to do was let them be for a second? Because they're, and then, cause I, whenever I talk to the kid, I, I get insight into them. It's almost as if they're complaining as if their parents aren't seeing them for them. They just see them as just a kid. And then they're acting out because of it. And I just, I just, and I just quickly say something like, oh, well, you are yourself. I mean, your parents are doing the best that they can with what they have. Maybe they just aren't equipped to handle your emotional, you know, because you're a different type as them. And this is completely new for them. Let's say you're an ENTJ to parents who are IJs or whatever. Like, it's just, it's insane. It could right. be crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, the, right. the matchup could be horrible, but it could also be beneficial. Mm-hmm. I was, like, trying to, like, reframe it because... I'm like, yeah, like your parents are like this. We could complain about your parents all day, all night. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you can still learn from them. If you live with them 24-7, I mean, you might as well figure it out how you're going to deal with that. Or, or you just want to move out and fight it. But sometimes what if you can work it out first? I don't know. Like, it's just kind of been my, my gig with that. I love how you mentioned, though, previously, because I don't want to re- forget this thought, how you're trying to get back at the optimal functional thing that you used to be. I feel like as of the other axis, I have to dip my body into the waters that is that optimal because we never were. Like everything is always new to learn on my end in a way because I don't have that equipped cognitive function of just being able to tactilely handle items. So I had to literally observe and learn and apply like everything that the people I'm around is doing. So like when I used to work as a fire tech, it was the craziest experience. <laughs> I like, think I look back, it's the craziest one because I've never been so thrust into an SE world <laughs> in that situation because you're expected, like there is a moment where you have to deal with wet systems in like or dry systems in um, let's say those, those fire pipes and everything. And you have to be able to clean out a gasket. You got to know what tools you got to use. You can't, you have to make sure that, when the gasket sets on the pipe, it has to be nice. You have to clean it out because if it does it, it's going to leak and you're going to get problems. Yep. And then they're like, how do you know? Well, there's no gauge that tells you. You have to look at the little bubbles coming out. Like, it's just very, you got to be so observant. And I'm going like, oh, I'm going to flood this room. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to flood the heck out of this room. And so, and my teacher at the time, he was an ESCJ, which is, to be honest, actually kind of nice for me. Yeah. He was telling me the steps. But then he would be like, okay, so if you do this, it's going to flood. He'd leave the room. Oh, I'm flooding it. Straight up. I went like, boom. This has to happen. Let's go. This has to happen. Because if at least with him around, I know he can stop it if things do go out of place. But I can't wait till I'm alone and then make a mistake. I was like, I no, I need this repertoire database now. <laughs> like, turn up right? my... He comes back, I'm drenched. And he's like, what's happening? And I'm like, so I did what you told me not to do. But now I know what not to do. So. Now I know from personal experience. But personally, I'm like, I got to do it. Because in my head, I'm thinking, oh, gosh. I'm, and I felt so behind. I mean, maybe the thing is I probably shouldn't have to put so much pressure on myself. Because, I mean, granted, all the other folks in the job itself already had years of experience. Sure. But in a way, I was also kind of, I don't know. I have this mentality where I don't want to be running behind a person. If I could run, if not ahead or beside that's already good enough for me. So mm-hmm. if I notice that there is something like that I could reach for, I'm going to go reach for it. Sure. So I actually ended up becoming one of those. It's funny because I ended up becoming the employees there who they were surprised that despite this whimsical personality that I'm always running around, every job I go to happened to be a, like, like I had a high success rate when it came to every like job offer that they gave mm-hmm. and they were like confused. Like how the heck are you? Cause they never really see, they, they only see the whimsical side when I'm at, 
let's say the office because I'm very like, hey, so what are we going to get today? But when I'm in the job, it's like drop the mask. It's full on serious mode. We're like, hi, I'm here to fix your your pipes. I'm like, tell me where it is. How's it going to go? Bam, 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 bam. And then like mini celebrations when they're not looking. <laughs> it's a very like I'll do dancing when I want when I don't know there's no cameras around. I'll start doing right. like little moments. Yeah. Right? I, it, the FI leaks every now and then. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. There's a, there's a leak as long as I get the job done. But it's those moments. I was so I've wow, like every time I think back, it's like I have so much appreciation for the SEs working in the workforce because like I, you can't get it anywhere else. Like there's like a, it's a specimen that you can't just, you know, create. Cause I had to learn it. Sure. But I could never match up to it. So in a way I could, it's like that learning curve of realizing that these people got it good. I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it happen. I'm, I don't know. We'll never be able to reach that point. However, mm-hmm. at the same time, I would love to work with them. Like they're fantastic to work with. Like I, every time there's an SE route and he's taking charge, I'm like, Hey, if you need tools, I'm like, I got them. I'm always like offering. <laughs> I'm like the mule, the pack mule of a sudden. I'm like, I got all of them. Do you need to carry anything? I'm like, dude, I'm here. <laughs> I'm down for this. Um, it's like, he would be like, sometimes this is probably going to get crazy. There's going to be like flooding. There's going to be crazy. I'm like, okay. I mean, you said it. I'm here for that. Like just yeah. make it happen. Like, if that's yeah. how we're going to do it, I was like, okay, I'm okay. But if, I, if I'm by myself, I'm like sitting, sitting there going like, oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> like, I have to that's do it. <laughs> matter of who's got responsibility, probably. You know, like, if, if you know somebody's competent and with you and they're taking lead, then whatever happens, like, happens, you know. Yeah. But when it, because I mean, I feel the same way when, when something is on me, there's way more pressure to make sure I don't mess it up mm-hmm. or I don't, you know, like just represent something wrong or whatever it is that it's done right. And so that pressure, you, you feel it. But as long as somebody competent, and that's a big thing for me, is in charge, then I'm happy to just drop in line and be the helper and the background and the support or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, but, it's crazy because when you say that, like, I understand that when someone takes charge, there is an immense pressure. But then when that happens for the other person, I'm actually super about easing that pressure for them because sure. I want them to, I have this thing where even leaders fall too. So if I surround myself with leaders or like these high, you know, personality folks with like really strong attitudes or whatever, I like being around them, not because I am drawing from them. Like I rely on them in a way. It's that when they fall, I want to be there to catch it that's kind of like where i'm at so i don't really gravitate to leadership even though people pass it i'm like don't pass it to me but when they do like when i am surrounded by those folks i almost automatically take up the role of you lead delegate say what you need to say i'm gonna handle everything on the background like you don't have to worry about the background i got this kind of that's kind of the vibe i do um a big example was like last year's wedding, for example, for my friends, mm-hmm. they, they were focused on the goal. They had a goal. They had a thing. They knew what they wanted. But I was like, you know what? You guys do this. I'm going to pull in every resource I got in every fiber of my body to make it happen because I want to make this as good as it gets. However, right. at the same time, I'm like, I don't need no, like, don't look at me though. Like when it comes to all that stuff, I'm like, I just want to be able to make sure that when things are stressed out, you know, we can, I can like, I don't know, I pushed my feelings aside for a second, like, because I would be exhausted at some days. I don't know if you do the same, similar thing. Like, you just, you can push it aside. Like, let, it, let mm-hmm. it simmer for a moment because you're busy trying to get something done. We could worry about that feeling later. And I was, like, telling them, like, you know what? If I cry at your wedding, I'm like, I'm going to cry at your wedding, but I'm also going to be working. So, like, literally during that day, I wasn't in any, I wasn't in any of the pictures. Like, of, I was in very, very little pictures of that wedding um, because I was in the background. I was literally coaching the sound guy. I was nice. helping out, you know, tasks. I was literally negotiating with, like, all, I was doing all kinds of weird stuff in the back. And I was busy, like, carrying things. It was just a lot of stuff going on. And it felt great. And then also at the same time, my FI would come in in moments. Like, I could still enjoy the moment because, let's say, something happened. And I was, like, crying and be like, <laughs> and then I go, okay, wipe. Yeah. Okay, next job. <laughs> it's literally been 
Dude, see, we need more. We need more people like that. That <laughs> no, seriously, like I'm happy doing support roles. Perfectly happy. Like if you need something done and you've got the management side, I'm so happy to go in and do the grunt work and whatever whatever needs happen on the background. I don't mm -hmm. care about the recognition or anything. As long as the job gets done and the overall goal is achieved, that's great. Yeah, um, yeah. but. And, and maybe every type is perfectly capable of doing that, right? Um, some of them are more naturally bent towards leadership mm -hmm. and, and good at that, at the management, you know, especially like TV users, I think, mm -hmm. are phenomenal a lot of times. Maybe not as much like at the interrelationship stuff of being in charge, but as far as like being able to organize and get a job done. Mm -hmm. um, but... I think if more people were happy to take those roles, like what you're talking about and just be happy doing them, like everything would go so smoothly. You know, I've been, when I was in the military, I was in charge of a lot of things. I, I made, you know, I was a, a, I don't know, rank structure fifth and made the fifth and sixth rank, which is sergeant, uh, staff sergeant and tech sergeant, which is where you start taking over and being in charge of the, the lower rank people and, and having to give them performance evaluations and running a whole section of, of a workshop. And um, as a tech sergeant, I was in charge of complete shops, you know, all the sections and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I did what I thought was right. And that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I didn't really care because I'm trying to take care of my people. Um, and I mean, I got into a lot of arguments with my commander which is not something you're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> but I was like, listen, you're making the wrong decision. You might appear at this level, right? Like, like it makes sense to you, but when it filters down and the practical effects of it are just negative and you're yeah. going to burn your people out and then they're going to do stupid stuff and get in trouble and make problems. And then you're going to have an even bigger issue on your hand, you know? And it's like, it was weird because in leadership, I really had to pull out my FE and being in a tertiary spot. It wasn't something that I'm comfortable putting to the forefront as much, but it was what allowed me to take care of people and situations in a way that worked for everyone. No, that makes total sense. Um, actually. I agree with that. You know, and, and so I was really relying on my TIFE to take over at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and to run things and to make it work and to not only be accurate and correct, but actually work, you know, because you can do things that might be accurate, but it doesn't work for people. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to kind of find a, a, a middle ground between those two. Um, and it can be challenging for sure. Um, and that's why I prefer you know, looking at my function stack, I prefer being able to just be like, you have a job needs to be done. Let me use my SE to attack this job, mm. right? And, and to just get it done um, because I'm not comfortable long-term in that auxiliary and tertiary function level operating mm. there over and over and over and over and yeah. over. I can tap into it. I can use it. I will, but it's not not where I'm comfortable. And, and what I did in the military to help balance it is I got super involved in activities in my downtime or in my time that I didn't have to be in those leadership positions so mm -hmm. that I could recharge using my SE. Gotcha. And so that's something that like people would look at me like I'm crazy, but I would go on a five mile run and I would be like revived. Maybe not physically, physically I might be tired, but yeah. You know, mentally, emotionally, everything. Like your wellness was taken care of in that yeah. sense. It was, I was stabilized because I was able to get this out. Um, I played basketball, football, uh, you know, whatever yeah. I could get my hands to do. Um, I went, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Tough Mudder. You've heard of this? It's no. A, it's a, so it's an obstacle course slash mud run. Oh, okay, okay. Because I know what a mud run is, but yeah. Right, right. I mean, that's basically, it's just a specific branding uh, of a mud run. Okay. And it's like, it's like a 10-mile run with 20 obstacles. 
Um, I mean, it, it sounds fun. Like, I'm imagining myself going through it. I'm like, it sounds fun, but at the same time, I'm like, if I'm suddenly walking in mud, damn. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, and those were like the kinds of things that I would seek out to do on a weekend or something. Yeah. To just immerse in my SE, and I had a blast doing it. You know, like, yeah, let's go run 10 miles and conquer these physical challenges like that was that was my fun yeah and that's that's what helped me maintain my sanity in those positions that's yeah no i mean heck it's funny because to see and to hear the your side of how or like the se side of how they handle things and how they manage to get back on their wellness because it's, it's not the same i would say as mine <laughs> um like i i get the value of the physical attack of to get back to your stability but with mine with any it's like i would tell who was i telling this to but i was i think it was joyce again i would say how in the morning if i'm feeling tired i shoot out an idea into twitter like give me like i do the whole three prompt moment with the brainstorm give me a few things and i'll start making a story out of it because to me that's how i'm going to be able to build i don't know if you can hear it you hear that it's suddenly like the lawnmower happening i don't know if you hear it on, on your end no. I don't. Mm-hmm. No, okay, thank goodness. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm getting distracted because I'm like looking at I'm like, why now? Usually they're a Wednesday gig, but anyway, <laughs> anyway they're probably just handling their moment. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's fascinating that, because I don't know, sometimes the advice for, for others may not work for others is kind of where I'm going on with this because it's like, I love to be able to be as regular as I can on physical activity. It's just, I don't know. Like it's it. It takes more work to get into that. Even though I know that deep down my SI is gonna appreciate it the hell if I did it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like the body is gonna love it, but the mind is just going like oh, again. So I always have to compartmentalize both. Where I have to be convinced the mind that it's actually useful because you're like, well, you're just gonna die anyway. And I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs> I'm like, that's not the point though. And it's just oh man, it's it's hilarious. I don't. I, well, a, a healthy body drives a healthy mind. There we you go. can't have one without the other, really. Yeah. Even if my mind's a happy nihilist, right? <laughs> it's just very like, oh, well, let's go. And it's like, no, we, there's some things that have meaning in life. We could probably still make it happen. This ends part one of my conversation with Daniel. As always, thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to check out the website, Psychology Junkie where he manages with his wife, Susan Storm. Links in the description. Tune in in a couple days for the release of part two, and enjoy the rest of your morning. Bye!